Welcome to the podcast. I thought we might start off with uh, talking about Boundary Battle of Alberta. We talked a lot about it here on the podcast. Saw the Oilers alumni versus the Flames alumni here in Lloydminster. Even had an appearance by the Birdman himself. You know who I'm talking about. And it raised over $100,000 for Project Sunrise. So, I mean, kudos to you, Lloydminster. That is just friggin' impressive. And it's all going to a great cause. So hats off to you once again, Lloydminster. Just awesome, awesome support of a great event. Kudos to Boundary Ford for helping put it on with Lloydminster Regional Health Foundation. Now, this episode today is brought to you by Kent Staniforth and team over in Fountain Tire. Excited to announce they've teamed up with us here at the podcast. Uh, they got a deal going on right now on tires. So until October 26, you can save up to 25% on selected Goodyear tires, plus get 10% off a wheel alignment with the purchase of the four new tires. And uh, don't be like me. Don't be like me and wait until November 20th on your wife's birthday to uh, finally go and, and, and do the deed and get winter tires. And slip and slide and curse every second day you do it. And then finally on your wife's birthday, you go, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet. And you go spend $1,000 on not your wife. Don't be that guy. Go uh, head over to Found Tire. Get some tires on your on your ride here. Be a little proactive before it gets any worse because, I mean, she was pretty gnarly last night into this morning, and it looks like winter is coming or winter is here. Next, T-Bar 1 Transport. They are two, uh, Lloyd Mister's 2013 Business of the Year. They're looking for Class 1 drivers. They start at $28 to $30 an hour. You can send resumes to dispatch at tbar1.com. They, uh, they do it all. Heavy haul, winch trucks, oversized tank moving, pickers, or pipe yard. They got it all for you guys. So uh, if you're looking for a job, shoot them, in a, shoot them an email. If you're looking for some uh, hauling, give them a call, 780-205-1709. Tell them Sean sent you. Senior hockey's right around the corner, and that's where Factory Sports walks in. Uh, I'm, I just think about myself. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm all excited for, you know, the senior hockey season's firing up. The Sask Elta's got 12 teams in it this year, six uh, Saskatchewan, six Alberta. And uh, I know there's a whole lot of guys who are doing what I'm doing. They're going, I need a new twig. Or maybe you're like a buddy of mine who forgot his mitts out in the garage and then the mice moved into him. You don't want to use those. Go get yourself a new set of mitts, dummy. And uh, head over to the boys at Factory Sports. They know sports, guys. They can get you hooked up. They can get your mitts, uh, brand new mitts. They can hang you up with any sticks you need. Don't be using mice-riddled mitts. Go find something else. These guys can help you out. Uh, And the other thing, too, is uh, I was uh, just seeing with the boys that they can do team apparel. So if you're looking for... Uh, hoodies or toques, hats, you name it, they can help you out there. Vic Juba Theater. It is fully licensed. Seats 550 is a hidden gem in this town. They got shows going on all the time. This uh, coming week, October 17th, they got Natalie McMaster, two-time Juno Award winner in. We gave away two tickets to that last week. And October uh, 20th, they got Sloan. Uh... We might be giving away a couple tickets to that a little later in the IHD Innovative Question of the Week. If you're looking to get tickets right now, guys, go to vicjubatheater.ca or call the box office at 780-872-7400. They can get you hooked up. If you like what you're hearing, mention that uh, you heard about them from the Sean Newman Podcast. 
shout out this week to Mr. Todd Kirkpatrick. He reached out after uh, Reed Wilkinson's interview last week. Reed Wilkinson, for uh, you guys that don't know, why do I keep saying Wilkinson? Reed Wilkins. Reed Wilkins. Let's get this right. Reed Wilkins is the host of uh, 6.30 Chad and Edmonton's Inside Sports. He does the post-game hosting for the Edmonton Oilers games. And Todd Kirkpatrick here said, love the Wilkin, uh, Reed Wilkins podcast. Almost said Wilkinson again. Love the Hall trade analysis. There's a story behind it for sure. If you don't know what he's talking about, go back an episode, listen to Reed Wilkins. He was fantastic. He knows his way around the mic. That is for sure. Now, like I said, we are giving away on this episode two tickets to Sloan October 20th. That is the IHD Innovative, or listen for the IHD Innovative question somewhere in the episode here with Dave Drzinski and uh, answer the question to be put in for that draw. Now, if you want to interact with me, you want to get a shout out on the podcast, look me up, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, love hearing what you guys think. You got guest suggestions, you got suggestions for the podcast in general. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, I thrive on it. So please reach out and uh, we'll try and get you a shout out on the podcast. Now this week, I sat down with Dave Drzinski. He was an undrafted guy. Further point, he was a guy who walked into a junior A camp. Nobody knew who he was. By day two, he was signed. He ends up playing three years junior A in his 20-year-old year. The Ottawa Senators call him at the end of the year and say, hey, we'd like to sign you. Oh, okay. And the story continues on from there. So I'm not going to spoil it anymore. Have fun with this one, guys. Without further ado. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. I'm sitting with Dave Drzinski tonight, and he's starting to tell me a, a story. I was saying to him here 10 seconds ago that I've looked at his last name probably 50 times and had to like be like, Drzinski, Drzinski. Now, you're saying your mother had to teach you how to say it or spell it in the song? Uh, spell it. So she would like sing the song like D-Z-I-U-R. And she would, <laughs> yeah, she would, she, would, she would sing it to us, and that's how we learned how to spell it. So... Because everyone always asks growing up, like, how did you guys learn how to spell that? And then I'll tell them the, that's how we learn. So pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, cheers. I'm glad cheers. you came in tonight. We yeah. uh, we got uh, a little uh, blonde from the Fourth Meridian Brew uh, in Lloydminster here. So I'm pretty pumped about that. It tastes pretty good. Oh, yeah. Love that place. It's good. <laughs> they got good beer there. I recommend anyone to go there. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Dave, uh, I've been really excited to have you on. Uh known you for a long time but we've never really sat down and chatted anything and you're a guy who's while still playing hockey still playing really good hockey um and had a cup of coffee in the in the nhl um but was an undrafted guy and has like in my opinion a very interesting way of getting to the nhl so i thought for for people who don't know you we would uh, start with uh, where you grew up and then when you started playing hockey yeah, uh, I was born in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Um, my parents were from a small town, like an hour away, Big River, Saskatchewan. So grew up there until I was like eight. Uh, started playing hockey because that's what you do in small towns, Saskatchewan. You <laughs> pretty much play on the rink, outdoor ponds, and all that. So got really involved there, and uh, my dad uh, accepted a job in Lloyd. So 
landed by moving into Lloydminster where yeah I grew up and been living ever since so did uh growing up were because uh, you have what one one brother two sisters I have two older sisters and one younger brother yeah did they all play hockey then yeah so growing up in Big River um I played on three different teams because they hadn't have enough players so I would play with my sister my oldest sister and then I'd go down me and my sister were on the on the same team and then I'd play with my brother too so it was pretty cool growing up always playing like tons of hockey and stuff growing up and yeah so that was pretty much lived at the rink then oh yeah mom and mom would bring dinner right after we'd go right from school to the rink and mom would have a crock pot full of uh dinner and stuff so she'd feed us all down at the <laughs> rink and yeah so we pretty much lived there in the winter time and yeah in the summertime even playing summer hockey and stuff too so it was always just hockey 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 growing up so. what how big is big river do you know uh it's 800 900 people oh yeah so, so pretty yeah. small like lashburn or something yeah it's i don't a, yeah. know what lashburn exactly is but it's got to be close yeah, to that maybe yeah, a little bigger yeah it's pretty small so um and i think it's smaller now because they the mail was shut down but i think they actually opened it back up so starting to boom again i guess what uh did you play other sports growing up or were you always just a hockey guy um yeah well we moved to lloyd i was kind of got into the ball like baseball i played um like competitive there for a little bit but then after it just was too much so i had to uh, pick so ended up by sticking with hockey because we were always busy in the summertime if you could go back and hockey wasn't an option you could just pick one sport to play and you could have as much success in it as you wanted would you go back then and play baseball uh i think i would go back and golf actually uh, golf, yeah, yeah, yeah i i don't know i just love being out there and it's just you'd all yourself and it's just playing against yourself so i think that's what i would choose so if i have a kid and i hopefully stick a golf club in their hand and <laughs> instead of a hockey stick but we'll, we'll see how that goes uh have you been out golfing much this summer uh yeah like i was on workers comp there for a little bit so once i healed up i was playing a little bit but now that i'm back working it's so tired and stuff after work so i just go home and go to bed so i haven't been playing that much live late you must have later well i mean only a couple of years ago you were playing in florida weren't you yeah that was was that not unreal just getting to hit the links all the time well yeah but it was like when we got there it was so hot like i couldn't even stand outside without <laughs> just dripping sweat because it was so humid so but uh yeah like later on in the winter time it's like we were playing i was playing like probably once a week but it's i don't know it's so expensive to get on a course there and you're not making the the big bucks down in that league so <laughs> but yeah no it was fun it was a good spot to play and i enjoyed it yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you make your way to to Lloyd, and then you start playing your your Bantam, your midget, your Pee whatever here. Uh, were you always at the top level then? Did you always play AAA or AA? I I don't know if you had AAA yet there. Uh yeah. I mean, I think it was uh, Pee Wee AA. They didn't have the AAA when I was when I first started. So I played Pee Wee AA both my years, and then my first year Bantam, I think that was the year where they had the age change. So I only had the one year Bantam. Oh, okay. And then it was, so I, I got cut that year. I played Bantam AA because they came out with the AAA team, the Heat, that year. That was the first year I came to Lloyd. So I didn't make that team, but, and then the under 15 or under 16 team, that, that came in around then too. So I played the first year that was, I played then um, with, I forget what it was called, 
the bla- I don't know if those are Blazers or oh, what. probably was yeah. back then. It was probably the yeah, Blazers. So, everything was. Yeah. Now everything's the Bobcats. Everything switched over. Yeah. So I played under sixteen for the one year, and then midget AAA the last two years. Do you um, remember ever thinking about? Uh, I, I love to talk about the Bantam draft with guys because, for me, I just I at that age when I was in Bantam, it just kind of never crossed my mind. I was playing top tier, and I'm putting it in print or quotes. Um, but we didn't have Bantam AAA back then. All we had was Bantam AA when I was growing up. It was after me. I'm older than you, obviously. So it was after me that the AAA came in. But I remember with the Bantam draft, like never, I guess it just never really crossed my mind. With you, did you ever think about it? No, not really. Um, I was, yeah, we were always going to the Junior A games. And I don't know, it just never growing up, I never really even thought about it. Never even talked to a WHL team my whole time growing up so were you how how big are you now how tall uh like just under six four so but i was late growing like when did you uh when did you i got a freaking mosquito fly around yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you grow uh i think i was like 17 18 like the year before i went into my first year junior is when you sprouted well yeah because i was five eight they're all growing like bantam midget and then after midget i think i grew to like six one and like the summer before i started playing junior in lloyd and then i I just kept growing through through uh junior and stuff and started to fill out a little bit and well the filling out i get because that's everybody right but like you're a tall guy yeah actually i had Corey cross in here a month or two ago and he talked about he was a late bloomer he was you know small skinny guy and all of a sudden he over like a summer he grows eight inches yeah not like an inch heck i would take three inches at this point right <laughs> but like he just sprouts like a huge amount and that's basically what happened to you then too as well yeah i mean i i honestly think it helped me out in the long run just because you had to learn as a small guy to to skate and i mean as if you grow too early i feel like you're you don't develop your your skating is because i don't know you're just awkward and so, well, you yeah. probably don't have to worry about getting crunched by the big guy. My entire life, you got to have your head on a swivel because you don't want to get killed by a guy like you. Yeah. So yeah. So growing up, I was a small guy, and then when I grew, and I don't know, I just liked to get in there, and I was always laying big hits and stuff. And I just kind of adapted my game like that. But yeah, so I was a late bloomer, but I think in the long run it helped me out. Just did getting. you? Uh, did you? play as uh after you graduated high school or were you playing junior in high school no i uh, after i graduated uh it was my first year so, so uh, as an 18 year old you you went and tried out with lloyd did you try out anywhere else no like i was talking to other teams like brooks and uh there's a few other teams that i was talking to but i don't know i just wanted to play for my hometown i guess i don't know they didn't really have any like a few of my buddies like brody foster like a couple local guys we all decided to stay in town it's, i don't know i just Wanted to stay at home and just play here because it's growing up watching them and stuff. I just thought it was pretty cool. So. Were they the Bobcat Center? Or were they the, the, the Blazers? Blazers? The Blazers, yeah. I think two years before I started playing with them, that's when they changed the Bobcats. So, Two years after or before? Two years before. Like I started with the Bobcats. I think it was the third year of them being oh, the Bobcats. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So... So what uh, what was it like walking in your first training camp? Do you because uh, you're a big guy now? And we were talking um, beforehand about whether or not you're a big fighter. Like when you strolled in as a rookie, an 18 year old into your first junior A camp, where you're like, 
All right, I got to impress somebody. Let's drop the mitts and, and make a name for myself. Or were you a uh, finesse guy, big put the puck into that? Um, I don't know. Like At that point, I think I was just trying to adapt to a role. And I I mean, I talked to like the general manager, uh, Cross, and Jim Cross, and he was a general manager. And uh, he just invited me to camp, I remember, and I didn't really – uh, know the what role I was coming into, but so I was started to grow. Then I, I put on a little bit of size there, so so went into camp and I was just running around, just hammering everyone and just trying to stand out a little bit, just to make the squad. And uh, yeah, I ended up by signing with them. I think two days after the <laughs> camp started and signing my card, and yeah, so kind of worked out like that, and yeah. That must have been a, a a confidence booster, eh? Yeah, for sure. Just uh, I I honestly it was just a surprise because like even I remember making the team and the coach called me in the first week of like before the season started. He's like, "You were the biggest surprise to make this team. Like no one had you penciled in to to be on the team." And I don't know, me and him didn't really see eye to eye very well. So I think that kind of started it right there. With you know, it's it's interesting. Um... I had Nigel Dubé on here, the current coach and uh, GM of the Bobcats, and they brought into their main camp this year 28 guys. So they basically had their team built and didn't bring in, you know, I, I always go back to when I was a kid, uh, they would bring in, I don't know, 40, 60, 70 kids, and you'd maybe get a, a, a gem like uh, a diamond in the rough, so to speak, like a Dave. Right? Yeah. Would all of a sudden just pop out and be like, holy crap, good thing we had the camp. And so we were talking about that a little bit, and he, it sounds like more of the mindset now is gelling your team sooner so you can hit the season and be off and running. What yeah, you- I think lots of teams are doing that just because they want to start working on their systems and get all that stuff, like start working in training camp so they can see what guys adapt to the system that they're trying to teach um in training camp and just see if they were i don't know if they can play it if they're smart or i don't know but that seems a lot lots of junior teams are doing now is bringing less guys you, in and what do you think of that i don't know i mean uh yeah i'm not really i think i've yeah i don't know well i, I i'm curious to see how it does for the bobcats this year right if they walk in and they're top team in the league, or I, you know what I mean, top five, and they just get off to a great start, and and everything is roses. You go, oh, maybe there's something there. I always just wonder, like, I think competition is a good thing, right? To have yeah. guys pushing everybody, and to not be like, sure, you're gonna have your probably walking into camp, what, 15 guys that are just like locked in. These guys are in. Maybe it's eight, even 18, right? Yeah. But to have the last spots a battle, so that you can be like, oh, this kid just walked across. Like, to me, I don't know. I, I almost want to have a main camp where it's like, all right, let's see what we got. Yeah, I I think either way you look at it, uh, the, like you want to bring guys in who are competing and say that every spot's open at the start of camp. You don't want to, like, have the guys penciled in. You want to, like, go in and say, all right, everyone's battling for these spots. Like, you're not guaranteed anything. Just to make it more competitive – but yeah, I think more guys there pushing for the spots, I think, could help out a little bit more. But 
like I said, just the system wise, I think that's why lots of guys are doing it. Just because even when we go to camp, like uh, we're always like first day of camp, they're starting to teach systems right away, which that never really they never really did that like when I first like my first couple of years. When you go back to it's Kansas City now, right? Yeah, Kansas right City, in the yeah. ECHL. Yeah. When you go back, are there tryouts or is everybody just on contract and it's just sh- show up and start playing? No, last year when we sh- when we showed up, I think there was we had 18 forwards and like 10 D and like everyone was signed to contracts, but those contracts don't really mean anything. You just go in there, whoever everyone's trying out for a spot and if they don't like you, they'll just release you right there. So Yeah, so your contract isn't guaranteed is what you're saying. Yeah, like no, it's not guaranteed, so How's that how's that changed things for you? Well, it's it's tough, I think, but um I mean you have those like I'm an older guy now, so Relatively. Uh, re- Relatively. Well, yeah, like <laughs> this year I'll be the oldest guy on the team. Okay, so. never mind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's pretty young. It's a young man's game now, the professional. So uh but yeah, I think um going in you have to I don't know, being an older guy, you wanna like be working working your ass off just to prove that it's not any spots not handed out you gotta earn your spot you gotta i don't know compete and i don't know that's just how i am though i've always been everywhere every time i'm on the ice i'm always hard working and pushing other guys and trying to make make everyone better so going back to your junior days what were you doing uh in the off season to uh to train for were you doing anything yet as you walked into your first junior camp? Were you hard at the gym? Were you hired a trainer? Did you have anything? Yeah, so I worked a full-time job, Dex Construction. Every day after work, I would head to, to Cujo Condition because he that was his first year he started up because he, he just finished the Bobcats like two years. And he went to school for two years, and then he came back here and started Cujo Conditioning. Right on Highway 17 there? Uh, his first one was actually out of the curling rink uh at the lloyd golf club that's really that's where he first started yeah so i would after work i would rip over where there in the sorry where in the and in, in, right in the curling because they wouldn't have the ice in there and so, so he'd rent the space off yeah. him with a little train until the ice went in yeah so yeah he would rent that all summer and he did all his training out of there and it was brutal because uh, the horse track is right there and we were over there once twice a week running around that track and <laughs> <laughs> those were the days where you <laughs> it was miserable you did not want to go but you'd battle through it so yeah so that's where it all started uh Cujo conditioning and I remember people seeing me when it came to camp because I really put on a like I bulked up a lot that summer and was lifting pretty heavy and went in and we all our fitness tests and stuff but it pretty good uh my rookie year so yeah that's pretty cool a lot of kids wouldn't put in that much effort right to to i mean you're a guy who doesn't get taken in the bantam draft which nowadays is huge right if you're a kid in that kind of age group and just be a kid walking into a junior a team where they're you know it's not like they've given you anything um to like take it that serious to work out that hard because i mean working a full-time job and then going to the gym i know you're a single guy but still that's a lot of work to, to put in to achieve something like that yeah, I mean, I was, I really wanted to play, and I didn't want my career to come to an end. And I could have went and played junior B, but I really just wanted to see how if I could make make a junior A team. So I put the work in, and 
like I said, yeah, I put on some weight and bulked up and just got ready for training camp and ended by working out for me. So, how were the two? You played two years for the Bobcats. How were your two years in Lloyd? Did you guys make any noise? Were you a decent team? Do you remember much about that uh, time? No, we we made the playoffs every, like my both years, but we the first year we got swept by Grand Prairie in the first round. And then we ended up by playing them my second year again, and we lost three one in the in the series. So we now like we had good teams, but I feel like we're um, very poorly coached. Um, I think we could have done a lot, a lot, made a lot more noise. When you say poorly coached, what? Because you've had, by now in your career, you've had really really good coaches, and you've had very poor coaches. What is the difference? What, uh, what did the poor coach, uh, when you say poor coaching, what was he doing that was so poor? Oh, just the communication. I feel like nowadays you have to be able to communicate with your guys and uh, to just to get the point across, to get everyone on the same same level. But I just remember in playoffs, playing Grand Prairie, uh, Van de Camp was a coach on their team. And uh, we had like we had a good team and um, – he was just matching lines. He wouldn't ever, like, so they would just sit one of their lines, and, like, one of our good, like, lines wouldn't ever play because he was just so focused, keen, so on. focused on getting the right matchups on ice. And I feel like he, he beat us because he just got outcoached. And, I, like, I, I talked to everyone after, like, the season, and they all thought the same same thing. So I just... I don't know. It was just frustrating, and that was like the last straw I had, and that's when I decided I wanted. I didn't want to play there for my last year. So, so you you walk in and you go, "I'd like to get traded out of here." Yep, I went in. Uh, I didn't even go to the coaches. Went to the GM. Uh, I I was pretty good. Get uh, got along with him, Jim Cross, and he was a good, good, awesome guy. So I just went into his office and say, uh, I just told him this is my last year of junior hockey, and. Wanted to move away from town, away from home, and just go and see what else is out there. So he told me he wasn't going to trade me to the Alberta, the Alberta League. So I said, well, I want to go to BC, and if you can trade me out there. So anybody got that done, and yeah, ended up going to. So a, what was it like going to Alberni, right? Yeah, Alberni Valley. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. Like I didn't know what to expect because being away from home driving out there by myself first time um but yeah we got out there they i think they were finished last in the whole bchl the year before so i didn't know what to expect i told my, my parents to go out there give it 10 games see how it is and i don't know just it was kind of like the last the last i thought it was my last year of hockey like i didn't really train to go out like i stopped training because i just worked on the rigs all summer so didn't go out and skate really at all. Hey, just... for people who don't know what working rigs is, that's hard work, man. Yeah, no, I mean it, it's it's not yeah. like you went and pushed a pencil around a desk, right? Like I mean, yeah, that's getting in the the thick of things. Yeah, so that's yeah what I did. I was just working all summer, go out there, like hop on the ice for the first time, and but yeah, go out there and the coach was he was awesome, like just. So did you go for when did you get traded? When was it uh, middle of summer? Middle of summer, yeah. I think so the was, first time you go out there is for main camp, then first, yeah, main camp. So I, it was like end of August uh, or middle of or end yeah, end of August. Okay. I started driving out. Drive out by yourself, or did your parents go? No, with? I just hopped in my vehicle. Nice. My mom was <laughs> crying on the driveway as I was pulling away, and 
yeah, so started driving out there. I remember I got to town, got to Port Alberta, pull in. It was probably like 7 o'clock at night. And I tried calling my billet, that I, and I couldn't get a hold of her. So I'm like, well, what do I do now? What do I do? I call mom. I'm like, well, I can't get a hold of anyone. Couldn't get a hold of coach or anything. So I just went and rented a hotel room, and I was just felt so, I don't know, it was like alone, so alone that, like, first time being away from home, I, was, I guess I was 20 years old, so, but, yeah, so. Well, I, I talk about it all the time, right? I drove up to Ontario by myself, had never seen a team before for main camp, same kind of thing, and that uh, feeling of being all by yourself, and that's before, you know, like, what is that? That is 0910, so the iPhone is just essentially being built or it's in its first year or two, yeah. right? So, yeah. like, you, you can't even almost comprehend it. You can't... Nowadays, it's like, oh, you go to PC and you're FaceTiming your parents, right? Yeah. Like, it is a little bit different back then. Yeah. Oh, it was big time different. It was a big, big change for me. But I feel like it helped me grow up a lot. I don't know, just being out there and then the success I had out there and... Well, I don't you, know. you have a phenomenal year. Like, Lloyd, after they trade you and see the year you had, I mean, the year before you had 12 goals, 25 assists, and 37 points as your second year in junior. Your yep. final year in junior going on to the BCHL, you put up 21 goals, 53 assists, so 74 points in 57 games. Yeah. Like, yeah, it that's was, a year. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Like, just uh, get off to the start I did and – from our team going from last place in the BCHL, then we ended by winning our division out there. We finished first in our division. So that was, like, the biggest turnaround ever, like, out in, like, the best we've ever, like, I think we won, like, 16 games in a row or something. Like, it was it was ridiculous. So were you playing top line then? Oh, yeah, like, top first who line. Were you, who were you on the line with? Huh, you wouldn't believe this. They're actually two Lloyd boys, um, Mark and Mitch McMillan. Really? Yeah, they were my line mates all year, so we stayed together all year. All three guys were from Lloyd in yeah. Port Alberni. Yeah, all of us were from, yeah. Or not Port Alberni, Alberni Valley? Alberni Valley. It's Port Alberni, but they're called Alberni Valley Bulldogs. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah, How did so, they get out there? Well, they were, they Mitch played there the year before I did, so then I remember looking at the roster, and I'm like, Mitch McMillan. I'm like, I played with him growing up. I'm like, awesome. Like, at least I know someone out there. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, and then his brother ended up by signing there, too, that year. He was his rookie year. And, uh, yeah, the f- I remember the first day of training camp, we all got put on the same line. And we just Lightning had, in a bottle. Yeah, just chemistry. And uh, Mitch, I think he had 62 goals that year or something. Holy crap. What is yeah. he doing? Is he still playing? No, he uh, he went to school. He went to, I think he went to Northeastern. And then he transferred to North Dakota to uh, play with his brother. So him and his brother both went to North Dakota. And played for the Sioux? Uh, no, like the North Dakota, like the NCAA. Yeah, yeah, isn't it the... Is, is that what they're called? The, the North Dakota no. Fighting Sioux, aren't oh, they? Oh, like yeah. Like the Division One team? Yeah, that you're probably right, yeah. I'm not sure what they're... Yeah, that sounds right, though. Oh, now I got to... <laughs> well, we got to look it up. I mean, yeah, all the listeners are sitting there going, "Guys are morons." Keep talking, but I, I want to know Division One hockey. I'm sure it's Nodak. Oh, well, now it's now the the Fighting Hawks men's ice hockey team is what it says. UND. Oh, okay. 
yeah so they were both there they they were playing there and then uh, mark he ended by uh, getting drafted by montreal so i got to play against him in the american league and stuff and in the coast actually last year he was in wichita so i had to play against him there so he's still playing yeah he actually just signed back over i think he's going to denmark or something this year are they still living in lloyd or not no, no they so they moved when we were in midget they moved out to penticton oh nice so that's where they because they own the canadian tire in lloyd and then they sold it and then they bought the one out in penticton his dad did so they moved out there when they were, oh, what a nice yeah. change that is, Lloyd yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, that's cool. So you go to Alberni, show up to training camp. You know one Lloyd guy's there. You end up on a line with two Lloyd boys and then just absolutely tear the league apart. Yeah, I think we were both, all three of us were like top six in scoring in the league. So like, yeah, like Mark as a rookie, I think he had like 80 points or something. But yeah, we were phenomenal, like really good line and carried on into like playoffs and i remember we lot we were up 3-1 in uh in the coastal final in the series and we ended, we ended by losing three straight uh power ever came back and beat us in seven it was devastating and because i thought we were we were gonna actually have a chance to win the league and go to the doyle cup and yeah and have a shot at yeah maybe, maybe playing the rbc because that would be one yeah that would have been awesome if we could have could have made that but Pardon the interruption, folks. Here is your IHD innovative question. How many goals did James Neal score last night against the New York Islanders on October 8th? That's it. Nice and simple. The Oilers had a big win. They're now 3-0 and on the season. I hope to say they're going to win the Stanley Cup now. Probably not. I won't jump too far. Throw me the answer at seannewmanpodcast at gmail.com or hit me up via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Any which way you want to do the answer gets you put in the draw for two tickets to see Sloan on October 20th here in Lloydminster at the Vic Juba Theater. All right, back to the show. You uh, you mentioned uh, your coach, Nolan Graham. Graham? Yeah, Nolan Graham, yeah. Yeah, What uh, coming from from a program where you had a coach that you butted heads with and then going out there, what was it about him that was – because you list him as your your best coach last mentor you had. What was it that he did? I feel – I just – as soon as I got there, he just made me feel really comfortable. Um, just instantly brought me into the dressing room. He's like, this is where, like, just – uh, show me around the rink and uh, then I don't know he was always had trust in me like he just played me a lot and he was always sitting down with me he would call me into the office and just watching video with me and just trying to work on the little aspects of my game that needed to get me to the next level and um, he uh, yeah he like like I said he was there for the while that was his rookie year as a coach his head really? coach and he ended up by going straight to the NCAA after that year. So where's he at now? He is, I think he's Northeastern or I, f- I forget what school he's at. He's at. I've, I haven't talked to him for a while, but yeah, I think it was Northeastern or something that was the school he went to. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty remarkable for him to like first year rookie coach and then going straight down like that doesn't very happen very often like that no so, kidding yeah what was uh what was vancouver island like it was it was cool it was beautiful out there uh like driving to port alberni they have like the 
the huge trees where it takes like 10 people's arms linked together to go around it so i mean i loved it out there it was it was a cool spot to go for your last year junior just to get away from town get away from uh, home and stuff so what were uh what were your road trips like on the bus because you guys must have bussed everywhere i assume yeah so we like we played well there was victoria cowichan and i those were the, all the four teams and then us on the island and then power river was a ferry right away so we were always on the ferry we were always ferrying across the the mainland there because we'd always have to go up to like prince george and so we had long bus trips but they would always uh like go on like a week like two week road trip so it wasn't too bad you only go out there once a year yeah but what uh when you got on the bus what was the thing you look forward to the most of sitting on the bus because because you can you can make the bus out to be the worst place in the world or the best place in the world yeah i think just i don't know i just getting to know the guys like just bullshitting with them and i don't know cracking jokes like <laughs> you're all like i've played with so many different guys over my career that you got to get to know every guy and because you ran across so many different personalities so over the years, I've learned not to judge everyone by like the first time meeting them. Actually, get to know them, to know the people they are, because they could turn out to be the like your best friends, and which some of them have. So, well, short, funny little story. One of the guys who stood up in my uh, uh, groomsman in my wedding, the first time I met him, I was like, I don't fucking like this guy. <laughs> like, I don't fucking like this guy. This guy's way too cocky. His name's Chad Moore. He's a buddy of mine from Calgary, Airdrie, and. Uh, and then, and we—he was the captain of my my uh, uh, college team, and it took probably I, I bet three or four more times. And then you get on a bus, and then you have a couple beers, and all of a sudden you're like, "All right, this guy's pretty sweet, right?" Yeah. So I get I get what you're saying 100. percent Yeah, that actually happened to me too as with my best friend uh, when our from Ottawa, like when we went to development camp, like main camp. Me and him, like, well, we're both rookies coming in. He's like. He's like, I remember him saying, like, who is this big idiot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. Was, uh, we just hit it off, and then we ended by living together for three years down in Binghamton. And, we, yeah, we just became best friends. And But, yeah, I remember we did not like each other for the first, like, couple couple times. Oh, it's out, it's so. a funny thing your brain does when you meet new people, right? Yeah. It's, it's something that's probably once upon a time when we were living in a cave, it was a very good trait to have. You see something, you make a quick decision like this is dangerous. Don't like the look of that. Boom, and I'm out of here, right? Yeah. But now, as you know, time has evolved, and we, you know, society's changed. Not to get too deep on this, when I sit and look at somebody, my brain still does the same thing. It's spitting out stuff all the time, right? And it's, it's a good thing, a good point you raised, right? Like, yeah. You should sit down and get to know somebody and throw them a, a, a cold beer and and see what they have to say because lots of times you'll be surprised at what they do have to say yeah and just the stories that you like everyone has their own story so it's just cool to actually just listen and get to know people and what they've went through in their life and i don't know just it's it's cool that i've I've got to play for as long as i have and just meet as much people of life as i have over my career yeah well one of the stories you said that uh, was really influenced your life was Todd Bertuzzi's, and when you wrote that, I'm like, ah, I got to talk about that. What what is that about? Okay, so this is a cool. Like I was going into the rink that day, no idea. Like I remember going in the rink where in Binghamton, in Binghamton, yeah. Okay. 
And I remember we what, how we would go into the room. You walk in, and then we walk through our gym to get back to like our changing stalls. And I remember walking through the gym, and I look, and I see this huge guy on the bike just warming up, getting ready. And you, I'm the type of guy that just like walk through the like the gym and toss a chirp out to the, to the boys, like rolling out and stuff. And all of a sudden, I see him, and I just go like instantly quiet, just don't say a word. I'm like, holy, that's Todd Bertuzzi. Like, he is in our dressing room. Yeah, so he was coming down because he wanted to make a comeback to see if he could still play, and he was good friends with our coach, Luke Richardson. So he was uh, come down, he was practicing for the week, and then he was going to play two games with us. And I remember going out for, uh, we had our first day of practice, and me and my good buddy, Darren Kramer, we were, just, we, we were sitting by Bertuzzi in the room, and we're like, Bert, you want to go for lunch? And he's like, yeah, for sure. So us three, we go sit down at at this, uh, this Burger Mondays, it's called, have a burger, and we start crushing beers. And let me tell you, this guy can crush beers like no other. <laughs> I was trying to keep up with him at, at lunch for beers. I think we finished six beers before our burger even came out. Like, it was ridiculous. So, yeah, just sitting down and talking to him and – uh, just, and then, I mean, I was started getting a little tipsy and just the whole, um, incident that happened him, I remember bringing it up and he's just like, I don't, I re- I regret what happened to him, but I, I was just protecting my teammate and, um, like there's two, like my teammates and my family are always going to be protected no matter what. And like, that's how growing up playing hockey, you just, I don't know the mentality you have. You always are protecting your teammates and stuff. So, uh, him just just listen down and like him telling me that and I don't know just bullshitting with him and telling me his life story and and he's yeah he's got a lot of cool stories. So it was it was awesome that I got to like meet him and yeah so kind of keep in touch with him a little bit. So did you did he end up playing a couple games with you? Yeah, so he played one game with us. <laughs> it was funny too because. Uh, we were sitting on the bench and we were playing Syracuse and they were like one of our huge rivals. And me and Kramer were just beacon like no other on, on from the bench. And one guy came tried to come into the bench, so me and Kramer just grabbed him. We were just teeing off on him. And I still remember the the heavyweight for Syracuse was gonna hop out of the bench and come over there. Bertuzzi literally first thing he does hops on the onto the ice and just goes and stands right in the middle of both the benches and everyone just like didn't do a thing after that like he just patrolled and read like he was almost like a linesman and one of the coolest things of ever this is the respect that he that he, he, that yeah, he had yeah that he had just just like that and no one yeah no one nothing else happened with that so but yeah, and then so he played that game, and then we <laughs> he rode the bus with us the, after the game to Lehigh Valley, and he was he could he was probably the first time he's been on a bus in probably twenty five twenty years I would imagine like because he's yeah they fly, the show, they, they, fly, fly they fly everywhere, so he was complaining about riding the bus. I'm like, oh man, get used to it. Like we've we've been doing like I've been riding the bus for I don't know my whole life pretty much. I don't know how many hours I got on there. But yeah, he was complaining, and then he uh, played in Lehigh, and he, um, we, me and Kramer were suspended for that game, so we didn't play. So we were sitting in the in the stands, and after the second period, 
he didn't come onto the, onto the ice. So we go down to the dressing room, just walking into the room, and he's just hammering some Bud Lights just because. But yeah, he was. It was pretty emotional because he just like started like tearing up, and he said, "Boys, like I'm done. My knee, like I can't, I can't play anymore." So like that was when he knew he was like we're done. He was retiring. So like I had to walk away because I was started getting the atom like this thing in my throat and I was starting to tear up and because he was like full down like having a breakdown so just yeah it was very sad but yeah just to be able to have that story and like just to meet him in my life was was very cool well and he's a guy at the height of his career was one of the best players in the NHL for that like build right like a big burly power forward yeah and then you you mentioned the incident. He hits uh, the guy off Colorado, and I'm the name is escaping me. And and he uh, goes down the road of you know never playing hockey again and all that and the legal ramifications and everything that came with that whirlwind. And uh, he went from being one of the best to one of the guys who almost you wondered if he was ever going to get back to form, right? And you, nobody can blame him. I mean, geez, yeah, he. Uh, that was a lot of shit to take there for a while off the media. Yeah, it was. It was, and just uh, how he dealt with it is just kind of cool that that he was able to share that and be able to, yeah, just talk to him and just ask him questions because I was still pretty young in my career then. So just to get some knowledge from a guy who's been around like that is it's pretty uh, pretty cool. Did he give you one piece of advice that just has stuck with you then? Like, was there a question that you'd asked him and the answer you gave you? You're like, oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, just because, I mean, you all the older guys that you've played with, you, you, they always tell you that, like, it's it doesn't last forever. Like, enjoy it while you can because, and over the years, just watching, like, all the older guys getting pushed out of the league with all the young guys that are coming in, it just, yeah, so the, he just told me, like, enjoy every moment of uh, the time you get playing hockey and um yeah that was probably one of the the best advice right there just so gotta always enjoy it yeah for sure right? going back to your to flip back to when you're playing junior so you guys lose out now i'm rewinding this conversation half an hour 20 minutes whatever it is you lose out had you been talking to teams up until that point because you're a guy that's undrafted you don't get drafted in the nhl draft you don't get drafted well, I, I don't know. We haven't talked about it. Have you been talking to teams now? Like, you're putting up – you guys are, like, a hot line. You you said you're three of the top six scorers in the league. Like, yeah. obviously that's going to garner some attention. I To tell you the truth, I didn't talk. Uh, I remember my – well, he, was, he wasn't my agent, but he was, like, family advisor because you weren't allowed to have an agent at that point. So he called me and just wanted to – he was helping me out getting um, talking to schools and stuff because I was gonna try to get a Division One scholarship. And then I remember I was driving home after the season. It was it was April first, and he called me and just said, "Yeah, we got uh, NHL interest, and like there's six teams who are who are wanting to sign you." So I gave him till noon. Whoever comes up with the best deal, that's who we're gonna go with. What on earth are you thinking when you get this phone call? Oh my god, yeah, I was 
I was driving home and I was just vibrating. And I, I didn't know if I should call my mom and tell her. But yeah, so I called her and it was uh, it was April Fools. And I just told her like, yeah, so this is what's going on. And like when I hear from him. It I'll, was on April Fools? It was April 1st. Yeah, I was driving back to Lloyd April 1st because the season just done. So when your agent called, were you like, stop fucking around? yeah i was i literally i'm like is this a joke or like what's going on so then when he called me back at noon and told me like yeah ottawa they're signing you like they off here's the contract we're, we're getting and i remember calling my my mom and dad and telling them and they were ecstatic like they just both started crying and uh both like cracked some beers and started drinking <laughs> and but yeah then they're telling everyone around town and i remember all the messages i was getting like like good april fool's joke like ha 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 and i'm like no like this is serious like this is happening and yeah so that was a crazy day so i gotta know did you find out who the other five teams were do you know who the six teams are um i know one was vancouver uh philadelphia the flyers and i'm not sure who the other the other three were but yeah now going as far as you've gone do you ever wish man like playing for the flyers would have been freaking cool or does it uh, does it even cross your mind no it doesn't really cross my mind i mean i made the decision and thought that was, was best for me just for getting uh, the opportunities and stuff which i mean it worked out pretty good because my first year i went straight from junior right, right, right to a colder right, cup winning yeah team. to the right to the american league which is pretty unheard of. So just for that to happen, just getting the opportunity to, to play the whole year in the American League my first year was, was pretty cool. So, Did you uh, did you get a signing bonus? Yes, signing? I did. Yeah, so I my question, what did you do with your signing bonus? Did you did you paint the town red or <laughs> did you put it in a, underneath a, a rock and uh, um, for a rainy day? Well, I've, I've, my first check, I bought my truck. So I bought a brand new because I've, I've never had a new truck. So... I bought a truck and then yeah, I just saved some of it and just like well, because the summer times you don't how how like was it just like like how cool was that? Yeah, it was like it was pretty cool just to get that huge first the first check. You're like wow, like I can't believe I'm getting money to playing hockey. Like it's just something you you dream of as a kid, but you Absolutely. never you never think is gonna happen. And when it does, you're I don't know. Just uh, it's crazy experience, yeah, feeling. I guess. Well, I mean, if I kind of summarized your career up to this point, you got cut from the AAA Bantam team in Lloyd when they first had it, correct? Yeah. So then you play out your midget, whatever. You're not drafted. No real sight. You work your freaking tail off one summer, make a junior team because nobody suspects you're going to make it. And then from there, you get traded out to BC and have an amazing year. And then all of a sudden, no oh, wait, NHL teams come knocking. Yeah. Like, that's unreal. Yeah, it all happened very quick, like, just like that. And uh, I don't even know what to say. It was, just, it was a cool, uh, it was awesome. So what do you do? You're on the ride. It's April Fool's Day. You're like, well, nobody, everybody's, all these texts are coming back. Nobody believes me right now. Like, do you just... Come home, like, you got to have the biggest grin on your face that nobody can wipe off. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember I got I got pulled over, too, by the cops on the way, like, right after I heard this. And he thinks I'm smuggling drugs back from, from the island because I'm just pulled into Alberta. 
So, like, I had to deal with that and, like, get out and, like, walk the line for this cop and, like, do all this. Yeah, and then all my friends are texting me, and I had a few friends in Edmonton. So I was on my way home, stopped in Edmonton, and we all went out and celebrated that night. I remember Did you just tell the cop, like, man, I just got signed by the Ottawa Senators? <laughs> no, I didn't even tell him just because I was so nervous because he was literally tearing apart my truck thinking I have... He's like, well, where's your hockey sticks? Like, why don't you have hockey sticks? I'm like, because the team, like, they took all my gear. Like, I don't, that's why I don't have hockey sticks. Like, I'm not lying to you. I, I didn't drink last so night. When you, <laughs> on your way home, after you finish your career in the BCHL, they take all their equipment back? Yes, they took, like, our, our sticks, <laughs> everything. <laughs> it was, like, we, we go in to get all our gear, and they have all our stuff put away, packed up on this, like, Asked my trainer, like, where, where are my sticks? Like, I can't take any of that on. Or, no, we auction all that stuff off. So, yeah, we didn't get anything, which is pretty crazy because it's the only place I've ever played that, that didn't give us their sticks at the end of the year. Especially the ones we've already had cut off and no used. Kidding. Like, yeah, so. Hey, you're sitting in somebody's basement right now, that stick. It's probably somebody bought it for 20 bucks and they got a, well, I mean, they bought it for 20 and now it's worth a couple hundred because it's a Dave Drzinski signed stick, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Game yeah. used. Yeah, for sure. I mean, someone probably does have it in Port Alberni. <laughs> sit in their basement somewhere collecting dust. So that summer, you come back and now, now I'm assuming you got to work your freaking tail off, yeah? Like, I mean, they yeah. probably have a regiment or somebody you need to go see or I, I don't know, walk us through that. Yeah, so uh, I signed. I remember they sent me my contract. Signed it all, and um, I had calls from the therapist, the equipment guy, just like then like the strength guy because they sent me like this big booklet of workouts and all this stuff they want me to do, and I'm just like feeling overwhelmed at this point, and so I'm like, well, I should probably go to a good trainer. So I remember I moved to Saskatoon, packed me and my brother, we packed up. We moved in to a little house in Saskatoon to train for the summer just because he was like his Saskatoon trainer was there because he's playing for the Blades at this time. So we lived there all summer, like just got in really good shape and um, yeah, just skated there. We played because uh, they have like that ASHL or whatever, that league there. So we were able to get on the ice all, all summer and stuff. So we thought that was the best best thing for us, but kind of turned into a little bit of a shit show <laughs> how so well I, I remember uh i had to go to a development camp it was end of june and three two days before i go to development camp we go to alan jackson concert uh at the sastel place there or whatever and we were we were pretty full we were having a few a few beverages and we i remember leaving after the concert and one of my buddies is just starts lipping off someone and I was just standing there. I was pretty, pretty feeling pretty good. And I just remember just getting laid out. Someone just sucker punched me, dropped me. And I was just like, holy, like, I got to go to the camp in two days. Like, what's, like, I was freaking out. I remember I'd go home, just pass out, wake up in the morning. My whole bed is just covered in blood from bleeding nose. And I go look in the mirror. And my eyes are both just black, like huge black eyes. And I'm just like, I call my mom. I'm like, mom, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, 
I, I go to camp in two days. They don't. They haven't even seen me skate. They haven't like seen me in person or anything yet. So I'm freaking out. I'm just like, I remember I called my agent and I'm like, yeah. So this is what happened. And so he had to call him and like make up this lie that I got hit in the face with a puck playing summer league. So so I show up show up there and. Um, I have my two black eyes. Everyone's just staring at me. All the new kids and all the young prospects and stuff. And um, first ice session, I go out, get my heart rate gets going. My nose just starts gushing blood. So every time my heart rate got up, I would just start, like, my nose would start bleeding. So I remember I couldn't do anything the whole development camp. I literally just laid in the training table, like, this for the whole week. And everyone's just like, what's wrong with this guy? I'm like, oh, this is a good first impression. Yeah, so that was pretty crazy. And I had to come home and I had to get surgery on it. And yeah, so that was <laughs> that was the first experience of going to an NHL camp. <laughs> yeah. Frig me, right? Yeah, yeah. You I look like a raccoon. <laughs> And anytime you skate hard, you start bleeding out of the nose. Yeah. They're going, great signing, boys. Great signing, yeah. And that was literally first impression because no one's seen me before. So I was nervous going back into the main camp the next time. But it all worked out. So, How uh, going to development camp? I mean, obviously it wasn't the greatest at time because you couldn't really play that your normal self. But what did they do? What was development camp like aside from the, the hockey of it? It was just, it was um, more of just getting you used to the pro, like the pro lifestyle. They had the nutritionists, they like all these seminars, how to take care of your body, like roll, stretch, ice, just all those little things. Because you're playing so many games, you go from playing, what do you play in junior 60 games and then to 80 some games pro. So just like how you're supposed to eat and like they do all the fitness testing and stuff with you like the first day you show up you they do all like your your bike tests your skate tests and all that fun stuff that you got to do when you show up but yeah i think just getting you out of being a, a kid to trying to adapt to the like i said the pro pro lifestyle of taking care of your body and just so you're performing at your highest every night so you come back you stay away from the Sastel Center, I assume, or Sastel Place, <laughs> and you get surgery, and then you go back for main camp. Yeah, main camp, uh, middle of September. So what there. was that like? Because now you're skating with, I assume, there's guys out there like Alfie, like Daniel Alfredson, and yeah, oh, Eric Carlson would have been there at the time. Carlson, Spezza, Spezza yeah, uh, Phillips, Neil, I, who else? Um, Kovalev. He was there. Kovalev. Oh my God, this guy was the skill, most skilled guy I've ever seen in my life. Like he was like we'd always play keep away with like it was like him and Alfie and they would always play with like a couple of young guys. Trying to get the puck off those guys was ridiculous. Like they were a whole different level. And it's, I remember showing up there, I was just in awe. My jaw was on the ground, just walking around the dressing room with all these superstars around that you grew up watching. Yeah. So it was it was uh pretty pretty cool my first like just to be there first time and yeah. Did you get to play in any games in your first tra- uh, main camp or yeah? Or how how did it work? Did you? Yeah. So usually, uh, like everyone usually gets one game. 
So I think I got one exhibition game. My first, I, it was in Winnipeg, I believe. Yeah, we traveled to Winnipeg for that. And it was, uh, I mean, it was pretty cool. I mean, I was just flying around out there. I don't really remember much because I remember it was just such awe just to be out there. And so, What was but, it like putting on the Ottawa Senators jersey? Oh, it was cool. I mean, it's, uh, well, I mean, my first NHL game, I still remember just, like, heart just beating out of my chest like hands were all sweaty let people know where your your first regular season game where is it and let's talk about that we can okay. talk right about that okay uh it was hockey night in canada in toronto so i i remember the my my girl my wife who at the time or she was my girlfriend at the time but she was flying down to binghamton to come see me because it was like february 14th it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> so she was coming down to see me because we had this big weekend planned. And I remember I got called in to the coach's office in Binghamton. He's like, yeah, like, they're, like, you're going up. You're going up to the NHL. And I remember I was just come out, and she was, like, on her way there. So I had to go, like, call her. I was like, babe, I'm, like, I'm going to Ottawa. Like, I'm going to Toronto. So she changed all her flights came to Toronto she had our dog with us so she had to find a place downtown Toronto to stay with our dog called my parents they quickly booked a flight um for the first game yeah yeah so it just all happened so fast and I remember go I drove to Ottawa did one practice we flew to Toronto then uh right after that stayed in this fancy ass hotel the Ritz Carlton or some downtown Toronto like you just get treated like the f- like yeah the f- food the meals you're just like where like what is going on right now just just it's always all pretty crazy so but but your saturday night hockey night in canada in toronto in against toronto, the leafs in, who'd have been on the leafs at that time kessel would yeah, kessel been playing kessel, um enough maybe F- no i don't think he was there Oh, he actually, yeah, he was there. He was there at that point, yeah, because that was 2012, I think, was my first call-up. So, Phaneuf, Kessel. Kadri, probably. Kadri, Bozak. Bozak, yeah. Um, who else did they all have there? I can't even think right now. It all just happened so fast. So, what was it, so what was it like? I... I'm a little fanboy sitting here right now, right? I'm just thinking of going to Toronto and playing your first NHL game there. What was it like stepping on the ice? Like, was it just like time slowed down or time was going so fast or you just like oh. and so on? Like, what was what was going through your head? What was that entire game like? Well, I remember the first, like, O Canada and the, like, I was standing there on the bench for O Canada and I remember, like, I thought I was going to pass out because I was just, my heart was racing. Like, I was just sweating. Like, like it was, I don't know. I didn't really know what to think. And then I go out there for my first shift, and we get scored on my first shift of the game. So I'm like, oh, no. Like, here we go. Like, am I going to get sat for the rest of the game here? Like, but uh, they ended up getting, like, I played really good that game because you're just, your adrenaline is going so much. Like, I was, like, had a few, like, good four checks, a couple of big hits. I um, I got, like, I put, got put on a line with Elfie and, 
frick, who else was I playing with? I was like, yeah, but I was on the left side. You were side. on the line with Daniel Alfredson? Well, just for a period, like, they, they switched the lines up. So I was, like, play, I played, like, yeah, for a full period, I played on a line with Elfie. What was that like sitting beside uh, him oh, on the bench? It was, yeah, like, it was crazy. He was, he was one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Like, just a good captain. He would come in. Every new guy that came, like, he would just go introduce himself. Like, if you need anything, just let me know. Like, I'm here to help you guys. Like, so that, it just had, I had a lot of respect for him. So just sitting there, sitting there like, playing with him, it just, I don't know, it's hard to explain, I guess. Just, like, cause there's so much emotions going, like, through your head and through your body at that time. At that time. It just all happened so quick, so. So how, where do you do you just stick up then for X amount of games that year? Yeah, so I played ten games in a row, and then I had that fight where it was in Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, well, on my, yeah, my tenth game there. Yeah, so then I got hurt after that, so I had to. Well, let's talk. Out. Let's talk about it. Fraser Fraser McLaren fight. Yeah. I was saying this off air, right? A lot of people in Lloyd, if they know you well, know that you're playing very good hockey, you made the NHL, etc. But for a lot of just common people in Lloyd, you're known as the guy who fought Fraser McLaren and got knocked out. Yeah. And it's not a pretty thing to watch. No. Um, it was looking back at it and um, just like kind of taking it all in because, I mean, it was years ago now that it happened. But I'd, I wouldn't change it. I mean... He he asked me to fight. I di- didn't get into a fight in NHL yet. So were you fighting? Uh, I I uh, should have asked this a long time ago. Like, were you fighting all through your junior, all through Binghamton, like up until this point? Like, was that the reason he was approaching you? Yeah, I mean, I've I've fought some like down in like I did a little bit in junior. I think I I don't know like my my twenty year old year I didn't really have have to fight that much because. Everyone, you're putting was, up was, over a point per game. Yeah, and I was a big guy, and I fought a few few of the bigger guys in the league, and I I just beat them up pretty bad. So like everyone was pretty scared. So you don't like you don't have to really worry about that. And then American Hockey League, like you're a bigger guy. So I think I got in like five fights my rookie year. Like fought some pretty tough guys like Stortini and like all these. I don't know. I did pretty good. So. He knew he kind of he probably knew kind of who I was. I've been in a few fights, so he just came up and. But you weren't there as a fighter then. No, like I was. Well, I was playing on for like the fourth line. I was playing with Zach Smith and Chris Neal, so like we we're I don't know like kind of then the fourth line enforcer. Like they yeah, still yeah. they still had those guys in the league at that point where they had like the where they were just out there to fight because there was like Colton or. And there's McLaren, who is a like a heavy. And then they had Mark Fraser, that big D man. He was on their he team. He was a big man. Yeah. Too, so yeah. they had they had those those guys who who will, like they like to fight. So I remember he came out to me off the draw. It was literally 20 seconds into the game, and uh, hockey. Yeah, like my 10th game. And he asked me, and I was just like, No, I'm good, man. And then Mark Fraser, the D man, he was lined up next to me. He's like, Come on, kid. Like try him out. Like, what do you have to lose? So, like, in the back of my mind, I was just like, well, what what do I have to lose? Like, I haven't been in a fight yet, so kind of talked myself up to it, went over. I was like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. So we squared off, and it all happened really quick. I remember I landed, like, 
two or three good ones on him right right off the bat and then my hand like kind of slipped off his jersey and i like kind of left myself exposed exposed and you can't do that when you're fighting a heavyweight like that so he just caught me right on the button and uh in the right spot and just dropped me and i was like yeah i was out i remember coming to and i was like getting helped off the ice and like right when i was stepping off the rink i remember i like kind of like holy like what just happened like so got into the room the doctors came checked me all out and i remember it was my phone just blowing up like everyone calling texting like are you okay like my mom was bawling my grandparents were bawling it was just like so i like quickly texted her i'm like all right guys i'm fine like people have been knocked out before it's not that big of a deal but just yeah well if you're knocked out in an ahl game and probably you know would have went under the radar and you know a few people would have known but on national television right like yeah if you look it up now you can just there's just like that. It's a huge media string, right? Like Don Cherry talks about it down in Coach's Corner about you. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. I remember that him bringing it up, but like people were like giving kind of Fraser a hard time for fighting this rookie, but it's not his fault. Like he, it was it. I agreed to it. I mean, I wouldn't take it, change it for anything. And I actually had a beer with him after. Like. He was uh, the Hartnell, MacArthur, Holpe, like the golf tournament they had in town. Yeah. He came to it. And so me and him, we got, like, we had a, we got pretty crushed together. And he just, like, apologized. I'm like, man, please don't apologize. Like, that makes me feel worse when you're apologizing to me about it. So. Got a lot of freaking hockey guys, right? I don't know of too many sports. And I shouldn't say this because they're probably all like us. But hockey guys, I feel like, are special. When you get in fisticuffs like that instead of being like ah guy's a piece of work and i'm gonna get him next time it's like nah we sat down and had a beer and, yeah you know, right like yeah. that's pretty cool no it's yeah it was really cool i mean just and he's a awesome dude like he was so nice you wouldn't even think he's a is a heavyweight. heavyweight yeah like if you ever get like if you get to talk to him yeah, he was awesome about it so i'm Did, glad glad i got to like meet him and just say like no i don't want an apology like it was fine we both agreed to it it is and it happened how it happened so did that affect your career do you think anyway i think it did a little bit just because every single year after that i would go into main camp they said oh you're not the same player as you used to be you're timid you're not you're not so they just just gave them a reason to i mean send me down to the american league i feel like so after that it was two or three years before finally i got another call up so Finally got got another call up and got to go, I mean, see if I can stick there again. But, yeah, just I, I feel like it affected it a little bit, but I wouldn't change it. it. It is what it is. What was the second time around like when you get called up the second time? It was. You, that, what would that have been? That would have been you played 15-16, yeah, You played yeah, 14 I, games. Yeah, a, goal, I, a goal, three assists, and four points. Yeah. No, that. It was cool. I was playing really good when I got called up at that point. Like I was, like they uh, they were putting me out in some big minutes. I was playing probably over fifteen minutes a game because we were third line. Who were you we're, playing with on that? Uh, I was playing with like uh, Zach Smith and Chris Neal. Oh, we were, okay. We were, we were the okay. third line. We were playing against the team's top line because we were like the shutdown. So we were playing a shit ton of minutes, and 
yeah, I was playing really good, putting up some points, getting lots of opportunities. So, and I thought I was doing all right, but then guys get off injury and like they're on their one-way contract. So they're obviously going to stay there before you. So I, I mean, I got 14 games, so, so got enough games where, but I wish I could go back and just try to change a few things so you can maybe stick up there for like a full season or so but were you playing good enough do you think to stick up for a full season I think so I mean I thought I was playing pretty pretty good when I was up there and I mean my dad he's pretty hard on me and he's one of the guys who pretty much got like helped me get where I am today but I mean we talked and I thought I was playing pretty good I was I remember the one game we played LA and I think it had like 12 hits or something like, I was just running around, like, I was a pretty big impact on the game, like, had an assist, and, I don't know, I r- ran over uh, Drew Doughty a few times, and oh, yeah? hammered him pretty good. <laughs> I remember Anybody I, ever say anything to you after you did that? Yeah, Lucic, he came up to me, and he tapped me on his shin pads, and he was shaking his mitts at me, I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm not fighting you, man, like. How big have, of a guy is that, man? Oh, he is a absolute monster but he's not as big as char i remember playing against him holy what a absolute beast that guy is like you can't get around him his stick is like 11 feet long i feel like did you take a run at char i remember i tried to hit him and (laughs) i just bounced right off him and just landed right on the ice yeah he was uh he was a big dude and he was solid he's very strong in your time in the NHL, who was the best player you played against? Like, who was the guy you were like, holy Dinah? I remember lining up against right across from uh, Sidney Crosby. He was taking the draw, and I was just sitting there, and I was just, like, shaking. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm on the ice against Sydney, like, playing against Sidney Crosby right now. So he, him or Ovechkin, like, they were both. Oh, yeah, you played against OV as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, I played against him. Um I don't know. There's there's some good good players. I mean, I played yeah against I don't know probably like twelve different NHL teams. So what was it, what has been in your time in hockey? And I mean, you've got to play in a bunch of different NHL barns. So maybe what is the what is the best NHL rink you walked into that had best atmosphere? Uh, I'd have to say Montreal. The Forum. Yeah, Montreal. Just uh, it is loud in there. Like. I remember the one the one period we played there. I think Montreal shot us twenty four to one or something in the first period, and we couldn't even hear ourselves think in there. Like it was insane. I remember going into the dressing room after that period, and Craig Anderson, he was just getting peppered to shop. He comes in and he just blows a gasket on us. He's like, "You guys gotta figure it out." Like. We can't play like this all game. Like, we had one shot or something. And I think we ended up by coming back and winning that game, actually. But, yeah, it was it was not good. But it was the crazy atmosphere. And, and Winnipeg, too. Winnipeg, had they have crazy fans there, too. It's a good, good spot to play. How about before your NHL time, whether it's in the AHL or uh, even junior, was there a rink that stood out where you, like, it was just awesome to play in? Yeah, uh, the Hershey Hershey Bears, uh, Washington's farm team, they uh, they have like a rink that holds like twelve thousand, and they sell that thing out every game. And I remember playing there, and 
they were always so good like because they had they just have a good owner and who signed like uh guys to american league deals you'll like pay them pretty good so they're always pretty good i think they wanted like two color cups or three in a row there when hopey was there um but yeah they like they always i still remember their chant it was like b e a r s bears 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 every time they scored this and then they would light us up for like seven goals some games like and we're all this like if we have to hear that that fucking song one more time <laughs> like come on boys let's go figure it out like we're all just yelling at each other and but yeah no that was a that was a cool spot to play it was good atmosphere i was reading re- i just finished uh brian kilray's book uh he's most winningest coach in all of uh, uh canadian junior hockey and they always talk about uh having curfews and and going on road trips and they weren't supposed to be drinking and stuff like that I gotta assume playing in Binghamton, you boys uh, maybe broke the rules every once in a while. Uh yeah, you don't really have like professional hockey. They don't have curfew. Like you are responsible for taking care of yourself and making sure you're ready to play every night. Because if you're not ready and you're like, if you go on a few bad games where you're not playing very well, like you'll get scratched. You'll get taken out of the lineup. They have all these guys waiting around for to take your spot so i feel like uh there's no curfew but yeah there, there's a few times where we, we went out on the road and kind what was of your went, favorite place to go out on the road oh <laughs> newfoundland for sure i don't know if you've ever been there before but what a it's a crazy like the george street i've been to george street yeah and i just the live music and Everyone's always happy there, and I don't know. I just love going there. We we go there this year actually, and I'm really looking forward to because I haven't been up there for like three or four years. So, yeah, I think uh, Newfoundland or Charlotte, North Carolina was pretty cool too. They have a good spot there. What's in Charlotte, North Carolina? What what do well, you they, mean? They got the Charlotte Checkers there. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I meant uh, what night on uh, nightlife wise. What what's uh, Spe- special about that place? oh just right downtown they have um like the where the rink where the where the basketball team plays there it's all like just in this big area and like just like three stories full of bars and like just good nightlife and lots of lots of hot ladies walking around and i don't know it's just warm there it's just it's just a good spot to go if you ever have the chance you should go check it out it's a pretty cool little city they got there charlotte yeah Hmm. Yeah, go go watch uh, the Panthers play, and yeah, they got they got some good stuff there. They always the NASCAR is pretty big around there too, so it's a pretty pretty cool spot. You always talk about that you uh, you're a pretty big chirper. What's the best chirp you've heard on the ice? <laughs> well, I got I got a few missing teeth, so I always hear about that. Guys are always, and then I don't know just. I I just say uh, that like the bald guys when they're like taking off their helmets for for uh, the <laughs> national anthem to f- always just give it to them about being having no hair. Or, <laughs> but the probably the funniest one I've ever seen is I forget who it was, but this guy uh, I guess this guy liked his drugs a lot because this one guy picked up snow on his blade and like put it put it up to the guy's nose. He's like, here you go, buddy. This will get you through the game or something. Like, something ruthless like that. And the whole bench was just dying laughing. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, I don't know. 
how about the best practical joke amongst teammates you've seen? Because you always got the joker on your team, right? Yeah. No, we always uh, – guys would always, like, put, like, cups of water under your helmet. So whenever you go pull it off, they'll, like, dump all over you. So I remember one guy, Shane Prince, he got me with it. So <laughs> pre pregame skate, we had a game that night, and it was in Newfoundland. And I go, me and uh, Darren Kramer, we go in – extra early that morning and we go and we take the knobs out of his stick and we fill a stick with water and then put put the knobs back put in back on. yeah and then taped them all up and it was, his stick felt like a brick and we did it to every single one of them so he come to the rink he comes got the stick and is taping it up and he was pissed like i've never seen someone so mad and the whole dressing room was just laughing at him yeah he almost broke out into tears he was so mad like it was, but I thought it was pretty funny. That's the hockey life, isn't it? Where you just uh, you're you're trying to. Uh, it's a rough, crude sense of humor and joking. Yeah, and that's yeah. what a team's built around. Yeah, and then the other one, uh, um, one of my buddies got me with this one. Uh, my jeans, he like uh, sewed the pockets at the top. So you have all your cell phone and everything still in there, but it's you can't get into your pocket, so it's, it's all sewed <laughs> shut. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So I had to go, go like get the stitch ripper and like rip every stitch out of my pants, man. Oh, I was so mad, but it was pretty funny. Yeah, that was a good one too. Let's go back to your first year with Binghamton, because your first year in Binghamton, you guys go and win on and win a Calder Cup. What was that like going from playing junior A hockey to now being in the AHL playing against grown men and then going to the finals? Like, Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I think we, we finished eighth in our conference, so we had uh, a real tough road when we got to the playoffs. Like we had to play the like, number one seed. So we were people were counting us out to get swept first round. And I remember we were down 3-1 in the series and every every game that we won we won in overtime so we the last three games all went to overtime like double overtime and we ended up by winning all of them so like after that like series we're like boys like we could do this like we we have a really like really good team or robin leonard he was our goalie and he was on fire like no one could score on him it felt like so we ended by winning that round. We go to play Portland. We beat them in six. And then the conference finals, we ended by sweeping Charlotte to go to the finals. So we were all, everyone just like, well, we're like, we're here. Like we might as well, like, we're going to, we're going to do this. Like we're going to win Who'd you this. play in the finals? Uh, Houston, uh, Minnesota's farm team. Yeah. Yeah. So we went there for two. We ended by splitting one, one. Then we come back. To, um, Binghamton for three so then we went two so we're up 3-1 we go back there or it was 3-2 we go back there for game six and um, we end up by winning in game six and uh, oh, what a feeling that was just great like I've never won a championship before in my life any hockey I've played so just to finally get to get that under the belt and it's I mean a pretty big one so just it was an awesome experience and we had a really good fun group of guys too so just i don't know we had a good party after that who was on sure. your team 
Well, it was like Zach Smith, Colin Greening, like all these guys. Like they're who was on your top line? Who were, who were the the big scorers? Who was the uh, Ryan Keller? He was from Saskatoon. He was one of them. And then uh, Ryan P- Patuni, P- Potsy was his. Yeah, he played in with the Oilers for for like three or four years. Okay. Um, who else we had? Like Roman Wick. He was he was over here. He's from uh, Switzerland. He was awesome. Um, Bobby Butler. Yeah, just a bunch of like good American League guys that we had. And I mean, z- like we had Zach said, Jared Cowan. He came from junior that year to in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, what was uh, when you win? Did you win in a home ice? No, it was in Houston. When so, we won. so did you spend the night there? Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, <laughs> we had we went into our room and just beers, just coolers full of beers, and we were just had the champagne spraying everywhere, like, and then uh, we ended up by going out to a club in downtown Houston, stayed out there till like four, four in the morning, then we had a seven o'clock charter back to Binghamton, so we we land in Binghamton. And literally the whole city is on the runway waiting for us to come come in. So that was pretty cool. We get off. We're all still just hammered getting off the plane. Like, have the call there. Like, we're all just celebrating. We uh, go. We have, like, this parade around the whole city. And there's probably 100,000 people, like, out in the city. Like, it was wild. Yeah, and so, like, we're on top of, like, our rink. Like, we had this big balcony. We're all up there, like, holding the cup in front of the whole city. And, like, it was, everyone was just going insane. Yeah, it was cool. Like, they pretty much shut down the whole downtown just for the party. So, it was cool. Who was coaching your team that year? Kurt Kleinendorf was his name. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I had him for... Three years. So. Well, you played for Binghamton for six years? Six right? years, yeah. Six years. I was, I think I was like third all time for games played there. Really? Yeah. So I had, I think I had like, yeah, 400 and some American League games in, in Binghamton. So, yeah. You miss playing there at all? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I was there for so long, so I just, I knew a lot of people there. It was a, it was a good spot to play, a uh, good hockey town, lots of good fans. So I miss it. Yeah. I wish I could, could have stayed a couple more years there, and but it just never worked out that way. After your time in Binghamton and Ottawa, and you see what has gone on since with Eugene Melnick and Eric Carlson getting traded out, and um, oh, who's the guy who went to Florida? I can't think of his name. That's my my best friend, Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff going on was that? Did that surprise you at all, or were you like, ah, you kind of that organization just kind of? Yeah, it was a, it was a shit show there. Like, for being an NHL team, it was. I mean, it was ran pretty good, but just. They didn't want to like spend any money. They were just looking for the cheap way out of everything. So they didn't want to pay any of their guys, and that's why they don't have anyone left there. Like, if you look at their team this year, you probably I don't even know who their best player would be because I don't I don't really know too many guys there. But yeah, it was like with all that, um, like my buddy Hoff and Carlson, all that 
shit that happened between their wives and stuff. It was just an absolute shit show with with it all. So I'm I'm I think he was happy to get out of there and just have a have a change and go somewhere else and start over. Is that why you chose Germany after Binghamton? Looking uh, for a different place to go? Yeah, I I don't know. I just wanted to go over and give it a try and and see what the hockey was like and I had a good opportunity, a uh, pretty good pretty good uh contract they offered so couldn't really say no and i just went over there for the year to try it out and so you played one year in the germany elite league yeah who'd you play for uh Iserlone roosters okay they're kind of like the they were all right they're like kind of the bottom end teams in the league though like not like the like the berlins or the cologne like the higher paid like you have those teams that like they have lots of money and stuff so we uh we we didn't make playoffs that year, so but I don't know. It was a good experience. I really enjoyed it over there, but just wasn't my style of hockey. I mean, I think I was second in the league in penalty minutes, and I had one fight the whole year. So just from like hitting too hard, hit someone too hard, you get kicked out of the game. So I think I had about. What did you think of their fans and their chanting? loved it like i at first i'm like what like because i had no idea like because i remember after the first game we won we all did the salute around the rink where you go raise your stick and then you go into the dressing room you take off your top half of your gear and then just leave your jersey and then you got to go out and like do another lap where you wave at everyone then you go into the middle and you do this like hey hey like do this like chant yeah like this chant to them and they're chanting back at you and i don't know it was it was different at first but i don't know i it grew on me and i thought it was uh i don't know it's cool so it was i wish uh, everyone could go over and just experience a game over there just go watch one hockey game because it's totally different than uh than over here that's for sure 100 percent. yeah um, was there a bunch of North American guys on that team or were you one of the few that could speak English or was it, you know, how no. was the language barrier for you? We had, uh, 11 North Americans. Oh crap. Team. Yeah. I think you're allowed, you're allowed to dress nine. So we had 11 at the start and then a few guys got released, but yeah. So, uh, I knew a few guys like going over like, uh, Louis Caparou. So I played with him in Binghamton for, a year and a half so he was over there so i kind of knew a few guys going over but yeah it was <laughs> God, i remember going over by myself too and then just they literally drop you off with your car give you your address your house and it's like all right here you go like don't give you any direction or anything so like it was i was pretty i got homesick there for a little bit just because i was didn't get internet for a month like it, it took a month for me to hook up my internet. So I'd go home. It's all German TV, and like no one really lived like around me. So like I'd just go home and just literally sit in the silence all day. Had to get a new number, but only had like a certain amount of gigs. So like <laughs> FaceTiming the wife and the family, like you're using, you're burning through this, and it's supposed to last you the whole month. So I don't know. It was hard at first, but I grew to 
to really enjoy a, it. And a good life experience for yeah, you. Yeah, right? for sure. You yeah. talk about going out to BC when you're in your junior age to kind of be by off by yourself, away from your family. Yeah. Go over to Europe and experience a culture slash language slash every oh. other barrier known barrier known to man. Yeah. Like, yeah. I teach you a lot about yourself. For sure. I remember the first time I went to the grocery store there. It was probably like yeah, two days after I got there. And there, you bag your own groceries. That's right. I had no idea. So I'm standing there, putting all my stuff on the conveyor belt. like, And there's like no, like, it was a small town in Germany. So there, no one really speaks English. So, and it's, the Germany, it's so overpopulated. Like, there's like 86 million people who live there. And it's the size of Saskatchewan. Like, it's ridiculous. So I remember standing in line. There's probably about 20, 25 people behind me. And... All my stuff's going through. All of a sudden, the cashier just starts yelling at me in German. I was like, what are you saying? I had my hands out. I'm like, English. Like, anyone speak English? Everyone in line just starts pointing at the bags. I'm just like, oh. So I just grab a bag, like hand it to her, just start ripping all my stuff into the bag, like pay for it and i just like had the biggest anxiety like i was just i didn't go i don't think i went back to the grocery store like two weeks after that i'm laughing because i remember doing the same thing yeah uh, where i played in finland the last place i played the the first place i played there were six of us north americans so at least you can figure it out together but the yeah. last place i played i was the only north american so i, I had nobody I yeah just, talk to myself in my room and the grocery store is just like you talk about anxiety anxiety that was terrible oh it's bad like yeah and you don't know what anything is like you go order meat and it's all like behind counters so you have like order from a and you're trying to like <laughs> tell her how much you want you're like like using your hands like this much <laughs> like it's just yeah but no it was once you get the hang of it it's it's pretty cool i don't know I enjoyed it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it for anything. So, the other thing I'm curious about is you, you come back to North America, right? You go to Germany for a year. You come back, and then you play with Florida. Florida. Yeah. What was your time in Florida like? Because it was only one season, correct? Yeah, it was. Oh, excuse me. Um. Yeah. So I was actually I signed a contract to go over to Russia. Really? In to the, the KHL? The, the VHL, like the second league. Oh, okay. So yeah. like I was I had I had a pretty good uh, opportunity, like but it was like deep Siberia, like and way down in like southern Russia, like almost in uh, Kazakhstan. Okay. And I was looking at the roster and I was the only North American. Like they had no one and the coach didn't speak oh, a lick yeah. of English. So I had this and the whole time I was just sitting with with my wife and like she was gonna come over with me and I just had the worst just had a bad feeling uh, this anxiety and stuff so I backed out of it um, like last minute and just signed uh, signed in Florida like right like right the next day I just wanted to play again so they were interested and um, I don't know Florida is a pretty cool spot to go so I was just like all right so me and the wife. Two days after we hop in the vehicle and drive forty five hours down to Florida to make it to, <laughs> to make it to training camp. So yeah, that was it all happened pretty quick. But yeah, no, it, it was awesome. Like uh I love Florida. It was it was a cool spot. We uh ended up by making it all the way to the Kelly Cup final. And then uh the 
the final game seven. It went to game seven of the final, and it fell on the exact same day as my wedding. So I had to miss game seven of the Kelly Cup final. To what day was your wedding? June 9th. Yeah, so because I was over in Europe the year before, so we but like we had this all booked because I thought I was going to go back, and the seasons are done way earlier. So it just all all happened where this my with my luck of course it happens but yeah it falls on the exact same day as our wedding so well I, you ruddy fool you as a hockey player should know only day you pick in the summer is like august 1st because you're like oh, there's no way i'm playing hockey in that day. <laughs> i know like <laughs> i yeah I, I i don't even know i mean this. that's that's pretty shit luck right? yeah it was like, it was bad luck. and yeah so uh it made the wife happy that's for sure because i was i made it home made it home for the wedding but we ended up by losing uh, and the game seven. So, but you didn't play game seven. No, I. You I, missed game seven to get married. Yes, I did. And yeah, well, people, I think that's true love right there. Like, yeah, I mean, well, holy crap. Oh, hopefully it all works out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, yeah. So she, uh, she, well, she didn't force. She said you can go, but I was like, well, we're not. Well, gonna. yeah, but it's your. Yeah, I mean, like, you only get married once, hopefully. So, like, I had to. I don't know. I, I told the coach before going into playoffs, like, all right, my wedding's June 9th. We should be, like, we should have been done by then, but the team we were playing in Colorado, they they booked their rink out, and, like, and they won the league before, so I don't know why they No, booked. that's shit luck, man. Yeah, so it just, it all, like, we should have been done a week early before that, but then it all just happened where... The schedule came out, and Game 7 fell on June 9th. I'm just like... Okay, well, let's uh, not go to Game 7, right? Yeah. Guys, let's win it before then or lose it before then. What do we got to do? Let's yeah. not go then. Yeah, so the whole team knew. So they're all ra- like, we're all rallying behind, like, all right, Dizzy, like, we're going to win this for you. And it never worked out like that. So the June 6th was uh, Game 6 in Colorado. So the wife was there, and June 7th, the morning, we... We flew back to Lloyd, and all my friends and everything were coming <laughs> coming into town for the wedding. <laughs> June six, like, you're where? The I night was before? in I was in Colorado. The June. night before your wedding. Well, it was like two nights before my wedding. Yeah, and I'm playing a game six, like. <laughs> so, oh man, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't uh, tell too many people that story because everyone always gives me a hard time. You miss Game Seven. Yeah, but, like. but think of it on the other side. Think you know, think about from a wedding standpoint. I can't imagine my wife being like, "You're gonna play in Game Six the night before a wedding, right?" <laughs> like, there's like, did you make rehearsal dinner and everything then? Oh uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I we flew in like we booked a flight, so we flew out a. Uh, it was June eighth. We flew out of Colorado to get to. The rehearsal, like we flew in Edmonton, we had to rush home, and we had our rehearsal dinner, all that stuff that night. And yeah. anyone, anyone that's been married understands the week before a wedding is a crap ton of work, and there's just stuff, and it's stressful. And you're sitting in Colorado playing game six. Yeah, luckily I had a an awesome wife who literally planned everything that I didn't, because I was away. I didn't, I didn't come home. I literally got home a day day before they're like we got married so still sucks you lost game seven i know yeah it was because <laughs> like i remember sitting at the wedding too and i was, I was following on my phone and like and then we had to get up to do all our speeches and everything and someone asked like what's the score in your game they yell out so like i get someone at the uh, like my best like best man to like look at the score or it was like one of the bridesmaids or something they're like 
they yell out, it's tied 3-3. But that was the series. Like, it was the series was at 3-3. So we ended, but it was like 2-1 we lost or something. Oh. So I'm like, oh, it's tied up. Like, like we're going to overtime. Or I, I announced, I'm like, oh, never mind. Actually, we lost. Everyone just like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it kind of, yeah, it was shitty luck, but I wouldn't change it. I mean, I had to. We had this had the wedding plan there for a while. So, no, no, that, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's understandable, right? Yeah. I mean, that is crappy luck. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. So why not go back to Florida? Why Kansas? Because you've been playing in Kansas City now for two years, right? Yeah. So my brother, he signed to Kansas City. So that's why I decided to... What has that been like, playing with your brother for going on now two years? It's awesome. I mean, it's, uh, it's nice because, well, we played... Two two or three games in the American League we played together. It was me, him, and Zach Stortini was our line for two. For really? Two, <laughs> for two games. Just, yeah. So, it was good. Uh, and then, right, like... When Stortini he, is a giant man, is he not? Yeah. He's uh, he's a, a big, big boy, but he is not a very good hockey player. And I remember going into my coach's office finally and said, like, all right, like... You got to get me off this guy's line, like, because I couldn't get just get anything going. All he wants to do is dump, dump the puck, and uh, it was, but it was all right. Got to play with my brother for a few games in the American League, so it was good. But yeah, playing with him uh, this year, I mean, last year, and then this year, we're both both going back to the same team again, so it's cool. I mean, nice to have a familiar face and just play like I don't know how many years left, so. It's nice to have the last couple just playing with him and our our wives are together and stuff. So it'll be good. That leads me into my first question of about five before we get you off here. Is what is next for so is you you plan on playing hopefully another two, five, eight? This is uh this is my last year. This is your yeah, last year? Yeah, this will be my tenth year professional and yeah, I'm gonna hang them up at the end of this year. So I think I'm gonna try to get into well i'm gonna help uh coach a little bit this year like be a player coach and stuff maybe just help out a little bit with that whenever they need so um yeah and then so you're looking to get into coaching as you move forward then you think uh yeah question i i would like to like sit down and talk to a few guys and i don't know just to see because we're planning on uh the wife just accepted a job in edmonton so we're we might be moving there next year. Oh, good for you. So yeah, so I'm gonna try to get in contact with a few people there and just see what see what options I have and figure it out from there. But yeah, I'd like to learn learn a little bit this year from just the guys we have uh, coming in for coach and stuff, and just talk with them and just get a better idea of what's what's happening and stuff. So. Cool. Well, I got one, two, three, four, four questions before I let you out of here. Okay. So. One we do all the time is if you had a time machine and could go back to any time in history to witness an event, is there a place you'd go? Uh, probably I would go back to junior to game seven of the of the co- the coastal final and change, redo it, redo it, and try <laughs> to win that game because. <laughs> I yeah I really wanted like I I don't know junior hockey was fun I didn't there's no worries you just go out and play 
no stress. Like, I don't know. I just really enjoyed playing junior hockey. So I'd, I'd probably go back and re- relive a few of those moments in junior. Is junior hockey your favorite time then? I would have to say, yeah. It was just like I said, like once you start, the money comes into it, it's more of a, like, yeah, it's a job. So it's just more stressful. And junior hockey, you're, you're still a kid. You're just out there enjoying the game. It's just so fun to play and all your buddies and I don't know you meet su- such good people in in junior and I still have lots of life- lifetime friends that I met playing yeah so. yeah yeah if you could pick any line mates to play with what two would you pick Ha, uh, my brother for sure he'd be one of them because we played together last year and I don't know we I just like playing with him he's it's fun and he's one of my best friends so okay him. so you got your brother who do you stick on there to make sure you're putting the puck in the in the in the net uh my buddy mike hoffman he'd stick coffee on him, oh right? yeah we need one of those snipers on there so were you surprised when he went down to florida and had such a good like bounce back season essentially you, like no. you knew that was coming i knew he he is one of those guys that just succeed like he has one of the best shots i've ever seen like if you ever watch him shoot the puck, it's it's fun to watch. He's got the unreal release, so I knew he just needed an opportunity somewhere else, and I feel like he found that there. And I think Florida's gonna have an unreal team this year. I think they might have an actual real shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year. No, so no kidding. There's I'm a about, prediction, folks. I, I might uh, I might toss some money down on him in Vegas. <laughs> actually, <laughs> um, if you could party with one celebrity, who would you party with? Who would you want to party with? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Maybe Eminem. I don't know. Growing oh, up. Eminem. Yeah, I don't know. I've Growing up, I always loved his music, and I still listen to it all the time. So I, Oh, sorry. I think it would be cool just to hear a story. Like He always tells the stories through his songs, but just like the real life, just to have a beer and sit down, and I don't know, Just to, I think it would be cool. Who is maybe one of the coolest people you've ever partied with? That you is have you just randomly had one of those random nights where all of a sudden you're sitting at a table and you're like, can't believe he's sitting here. Oh, it's got to be Todd Bertuzzi. It's got to be Todd Bertuzzi. It has to be, yeah, yeah. Just the experience and getting to know him and stuff, and that that was one of the, the funnest nights I've ever had. Like we, well, we went all day. We went from noon right till midnight i think i drank 12 hours straight with them the one day so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool and it didn't even see like i was wasted but it didn't even seem like he had one beer like he just he can slam beers i'm telling you if you ever have the chance have a beer with him because he has some cool cool stories all right speaking of the florida panthers and i should have put hoffy on the question but i didn't we do a game here it's called sign you gotta sign one guy trade one guy and buy one out and so I got Huberto, Barkov, and Dadanoff. Uh, sign Barkov. What was it? Trade, trade and buy tra- one out. Trade. So was it Huberto? And I would uh, trade Huberto and I would buy out Dadanoff. Uh, interesting. Well, cool. Barkov, he's a he's a, he's, he's a stud. Yeah, he's awesome. He's, yeah, he's a fun player to watch. I like watching him play. So well, cool. Well, yeah. best of luck in your upcoming season. I hope you enjoy this. I thoroughly enjoyed having you on and uh maybe we'll have to get you and your brother on here together at one point here in the in the future yeah for sure i uh i talked to him about it and i i said i was doing this and he was interested so cool yeah that would be awesome and yeah thanks for having me it's yeah been, yeah it was it was it was awesome it was yeah. a cool cool thing to do awesome well 
that's all perfect hey guys thanks for tuning in to dave drasinski wish him uh the best of luck here in the upcoming season as he heads back down south to play alongside his brother we'll uh, try and keep a tab on you davy boy and uh, see how you make out next week on the podcast is uh tyler wyman goaltender of the lacombe generals this year he uh won the allen cup and he was uh, a guy who played for Tri-Cities back in the WHL once upon a time, got drafted by the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche in 2002, round 5, 164th overall. And then he, uh, he played all over the place, AHL uh, <clears throat> over in Germany. And he's got quite the career, uh, 14 years pro. And so we sit down and we talk with uh, Tyler Wyman, and so here's a short clip of it, and we'll see you guys next week. Again, me and another guy were the only guys who were there that long. So we traded for a lot of misfits that came to Tri-Cities. Um, we traded a lot of our top scorers for toughness at times, depending who the GM was. Um, and and you picked up pretty soon of who you think you should hang out with yeah. and who's going to bring you up and who's going to bring you down. So I... I kind of learned at a young age of, of being selective of your, with your friends and, and who you can count on. Cause even though you're teammates, um, and you have to rely on each other, you can't because you're going to always have, okay, come with me. There's always going to be temptations. There's always going to be people pulling you in one direction, but, um, so where's that come? Is that your parents upbringing of you? I'm kidding. We're going down a deep rabbit hole here. Cause that's, that's a, I'm really curious with young kids. One of the things that always scares the living crap out of me is when they get older with even alcohol, drugs, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. So where does something like that maturity, understanding that at a young age come from? I don't know. Maybe it's just seeing it, saying, I don't want to be that guy. Um, knowing that you have a future and in order to get to where you want to be in that path, that these are the steps I need to take. Um, my path isn't going to be like his over there and I don't want it to be. Um, and again, surround yourself with the right people. Um, it's, it's not always easy because you're going to have your closest friends sometimes going in that direction. But again, it's, it's okay to say no. So it's, it's, it's easy to say now, but.